Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Thank you. Great. Well, I want to tell you a story from God's Word. It's in Mark chapter 1, which should come up on the screen. I'm going to tell you the story. It will come up on the screen behind me. You can read along, make sure I'm not making it up. Um, so it starts like this. It's early in Jesus' ministry, and he's in an area called Galilee, which is an area of, uh, of Israel. And he declares, uh, begins to teach, and as he's teaching, he declares this. He's like, guys, the time is at hand. The time is now. God's kingdom is breaking out. Repent and believe this good news, this good message that I'm telling you. And so that's the message he begins to teach. And as he's walking along past the Sea of Galilee, uh, he sees a, a couple of brothers, Simon, great name, and Andrew, pretty good also. And he sees these brothers, and he says to them, they're, they're fishermen, and they're cleaning their nets and kind of looking after their kind of fishing gear. And he says to them, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they leave their nets and their stuff behind and start to follow Jesus. And he walks on a bit further, and uh, he, he finds James and John, another two brothers whose dad was uh, named Zebedee, which is a great name if you're pregnant. Uh, not enough Zebedees in the world in my book. Um, <laughs> And their dad was Zebedee, but they were also fishermen. And, they, and he says to them, come follow me. And so they uh, leave uh, uh, Zeb with his, um, with his, two, with his high servants and uh, to carry on the fishing business. And they leave everything behind and follow Jesus. And then he carries on a bit further and uh, meets a guy called Levi. Now, Levi was a non-desirable in their community. He was a tax collector collecting taxes for the occupying Roman nation. Not a guy with a lot of friends. Let's put it that way. And so Jesus finds Levi in his tax booth and says to him, come follow me. And Levi leaves his stuff behind and begins to follow Jesus. And what friends Levi did have come to his house. And Jesus comes as well to have a meal with Levi. And so there are other tax collectors. It's like a tax collector's convention. And there was uh, other sinners, prostitutes, people, basically the undesirables of society gather there because they didn't have any other friends. So they might as well stick together. And Jesus goes there. And as he's there, the kind of religious leaders of the day are like, who is this guy that he hangs out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and the like? And Jesus looks at them and he says this, those who, have, who are well have got no need of a doctor. I have come for those who are sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's the story. And that story, right at the beginning of one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark, is, is quite interesting as Jesus steps into our world, our life, into this kind of crazy, mixed up world. I don't know about you, but 2018, I think, is a crazy year. It's, it's already shaping up to be a crazy year. I mean, uh, within six weeks, of each, six weeks of each other, I was one moment sledging down a hill in a, a, a disused dog food bag. Uh, I forgot to buy a sledge, so that was all we had available. What's worse than sledging down a hill in a dog food bag when it's not even your dog? That, uh, <laughs> sledging down a hill in a dog food bag at f to sunbathing in 30 degree heat from within six weeks. I mean, it's just nuts, isn't it? And then uh, a few months ago, we were almost on the brink of nuclear war with North Korea. And now suddenly we're shaking hands and coming over for dinner. It's just like, it's like so upside down, so confused and, 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 and changeable. It's one of those years and you kind of don't know what's going to happen next and and yet in the midst of it, there's all sorts of questions. And I chat with teenagers who are saying, what am I going to do with my life? And 40-year-olds who are thinking, what am I doing with my life? And 60-year-olds who are thinking, what have I done with my life? And into that, Jesus steps in. And he says, kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. 
It's right now. And, you know, in this passage that we've looked at, I believe there are some secrets that not many people know. Secrets of living the life that Jesus said that he came. He, he came and he declared, I have come. The en- enemy, he said, comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you can have life. Life in all its fullness. What does the full life look like that Jesus promised? Life in all its fullness, in the craziness of our age, in the questions that we would have. What does it look like to partner with Jesus and know life in all its fullness? Jesus has got this vision. He's got this vision of a people who gather together under God's umbrella and who know what it means to live life. In fact, they know so much that they live out a life that's so full that they change the world. That they know that they are raised, they are born to change the world. Jesus got a vision that every church would look like. I've got a vision for King's Arms that look like that. That everyone who comes here knows that they were born to change the world. That they have been raised by God to change the world. What does that look like? And so we're going to look at this um, passage together and understand what he's saying. What are the secrets? But let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this life that you came. And I just pray, God, this morning for moments of revelation. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes. I pray that there will be no one who's part of this community or listening to this message online who doesn't know what their purpose is, who doesn't know, who feels like there's no reason for them to carry on living. I pray that each one of us would know that we've been raised to change the world and would know what it means to do do that. I just say, Lord, come this morning and give us revelation from your word as we see the seeds of what you planted on the earth. We pray, God, open our eyes to see it and to be changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the first is this. It starts with kingdom. And Jesus begins with this message, doesn't he? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is now. The time is fulfilled. Repent, for God's kingdom is at hand. And that, this is the, the, the massive kind of message that Jesus brings, that he launches with. The time is now. Repent. And repent means to change your thinking. You've probably heard me say that before. Repent means to change your thinking. You've got to think differently because God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is not like we understand kingdoms, like United Kingdom. It doesn't have issues with Brexit and customs union and all that kind of stuff. God's kingdom is totally other. It's where God's rule and his reign is done. It's where God's way happens. And um, in our family, with our kids, if you have a, uh, as they've been growing up, if you had a problem with your English homework, you go and see mum. If you've got, she's American, so she understands English better than most of us Brits. Uh, and if you've got a problem with your, if you've got a problem with your maths, you come, come and see dad. Um, if you, so that's just the way it's always worked. But the thing is, dad has certain rules. And, and one of the rules is this, uh, messy maths is wrong maths. And so they would come to me, you know, even small, and would say, oh, can you help me, Dad, with your maths homework? Sure, I'd love to help you. And I'd take one look at it, and it'll be a mess. I'd be like, no, 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 messy maths is wrong. Tidy it up, and then I'll help you. They're like, oh, I don't really want to. Because I'd learned early on that a lot of people make mistakes in maths just because it's untidy, because they kind of, the lines don't add up, and, you know, it just doesn't. It just, so I, the first thing is, you've got to, it's got to be tidy. If you want me to help you, my maths, my rules. You know, that's just the way. You can do it on your own if you like, but if you want my help, it's going to be tidy. Messy maths is wrong math. And Kaya, my daughter, who's now 17, was telling me the other day, she said, I was in a maths lesson, Dad. All that was going through my head was messy maths is wrong maths. Messy maths is wrong maths. I was like, well, at least I've taught you something in life. But, <laughs> but the, the reality is, the reality is, if you want my help with maths, it's, it's my rules. That's the way it goes. It's as simple as that. Now, it's a flawed analogy, I know. But the reality is, it's also the same with God. That God wants to come with his kingdom. But we come on his terms. 
It's not our terms. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom is breaking in. And in a world that's full of chaos and hatred and destruction and fear and toxic, picture a world where God's kingdom is breaking in. Picture a world of, that's full of perfect love and perfect kindness and perfect mercy and perfect justice and perfect truth. Picture that world. God's kingdom is breaking in. You can't access this kingdom through normal thinking. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for God's kingdom is here. And Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus, was a prophet who heard from God. And he said, this is the vision of God's kingdom that I've seen. He said, it's a place where there's salvation, where people are delivered from the things that hold them back down. It's a place where there's justice, where there's peace, where there's joy, where there's God's presence, where there's healing, where there's comfort. I've got this vision, he said, and it's a vision of this kingdom invading the earth. And Jesus said, it's now. The time is now. It is here. And and we've got to live pregnant with expectation. That's the first reality I think Jesus is trying to help his disciples see. As they enter into this world, a fullness of life, it starts right here with an expectation of God's kingdom. Are, Are you pregnant this morning? Are you pregnant with the expectation of God's kingdom breaking in? Of his avalanche of his life and goodness and kindness flowing through you and in you and around you because we ought to be because that's the fullness of life that Jesus promised to be pregnant the kingdom of God and it's one thing to believe the kingdom of God is at hand and it's another thing to believe the kingdom of God is at my hands look at your hands and say the kingdom of God is at my hands is at my hands. There's a whole different animal there. There's a whole different reality there when you start to believe the kingdom of God is at my hands. There's something deeper for us to be had in this. Isn't that what Jesus said? You will lay hands on the sick and see them recovered. And it's not just about healing. It's about the life of God flowing through your hands to the people around you. The fullness of God's kingdom. I've got to admit, I've been battling battling over the last uh, months, maybe longer. Uh, I think in the last uh, four years, it's been one of the biggest battles of my life in terms of my own personal health. I've been diagnosed with two conditions that are not curable as far as the consultants are concerned. One is um, chronic insomnia and the other is tinnitus. And uh, both these conditions, just just like the constant drive to find the cure has just kind of worn me down. And I just said to Caroline a couple of weeks ago, uh, I just feel no expectation of healing anymore, no hope. And it was beginning to, and for those who know me, that is just not like me. I, I live with constant expectation of, of healing for others, but it was starting to even affect that. I just felt like, I just feel like it's gone. I've got no expectation. And I knew it wasn't right, I knew it wasn't healthy, but it was just where I was. And so Caroline prayed for me, the kids prayed for me, others have prayed for me. And uh, I said to her the other day, it's, it's back. I feel, the, I feel the glimmer back again. I feel the expectation back again. And, and, and I'm not healed of those things yet, but I, I don't want to live in the place where I'm not pregnant with expectation. 
where I'm not walking into rooms thinking, wow, look what God could do. God could do anything right now. We've got to live in that place, guys. And, and sometimes, and I know for many of you, perhaps you've been living with long-term situations in family or personally where you just realize that expectation has been kind of robbed from you. And it, it takes a moment just to stop and even be honest with someone and say, do you know what? I haven't got any expectation left. I found that really helpful to process to go through because as we do that, as we bring it into the light that God is able to come and meet with us. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to live pregnant with expectation that God's kingdom is at hand? You're, you're no longer just a teacher. You're a teacher pregnant with the expectation of the kingdom of God. You're no longer a doctor. You're going into your surgery pregnant with expectation that God's breaking in. You're no longer a su- support worker or a factory worker or a mum at home or a student. You're walking around carrying expectation that God's kingdom is at hand and it's at my hands and anything could happen today. I was chatting to one of my boys recently and he really didn't want to go to something and he was really kind of a bit, a bit flat about it. He was going to go just out of kind of duty but he didn't want to go. And I said, do you know what I've learned is when I don't want to go to some, something, I always ask God, I say, God, why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I here? And, and whenever I do that, I, not only does it make me happier, which is good for you guys, um, I found time after time when I ask that question, something happens at that event where I know why I was there. <laughs> you know, I speak to someone and they say, it was so, thank you so much for talking to me tonight, today. It was so encouraging. Or I, I, I lead someone to Christ or I pray for someone who's sick. Something specific happens that I walk away at the end of that event knowing, do you know what? I know why I was there. <laughs> Even if it was for that one person or that one word or that one encouragement or that one thing I could bring, I know why I was there. I want to challenge all of us guys. Don't turn up to places just to fill the numbers. Yeah. Don't turn up to life just to fill the numbers. Know why you're there. You carry the kingdom of God. It's at your hands. Don't just turn up out of duty. If you sense, and we all have that. Well, maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I'm sure we all have those feelings where we're rocking up and thinking, what am I doing? Why am I going? Don't fight that feeling by asking the Lord. Say, Lord, why? Why me? Why now? We've only got one life to live. Let's live our lives pregnant with expectation that he is here with us and that he is breaking out. That's the first thing. The, the second thing is about the call. Passing along, it says, in the Sea of Galilee, he calls. He calls Simon and Andrew. He calls James and John. He calls Levi. He calls the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the, and the sinners. It's first about the kingdom and it's second. The secret that Jesus is bringing is it's about the call. And the call is the call to be his disciple. And that word means to be a learner. It means to be someone who learns from Jesus. And you know, in Jesus' day, there were lots of other rabbis, lots of other teachers who were kind of wandering around and teaching people. And the way it worked is if you wanted to learn from someone, you would go to them and say, look, I want to be your disciple. I want to learn from you. Can I walk along with you? That's just how it worked. But Jesus flips it totally on its head. He goes to them. He goes and finds people and calls them. And no one else did it that way. It was quite unique. No one else found their disciples and called them. Why? Why did he do it differently? Well, the the reason is this. The people that Jesus wanted would never have come to him. They were not the usual suspects. To to be a disciple, you had to to be of influence and learned and, and, and come from a good family name. And these people came from none of those things. And so they would never put their hands up and say, pick me. They were the guys who were saying, well, he's not going to pick me. He's not going to want me. These were the people who were discarded by society. Jesus comes to them. These were the ordinary folk and the broken folk. Jesus comes to them and he calls them. It's totally different. 
And Jesus wants you to know this morning that he's called you and that he's chosen you. That if you were a follower of Christ this morning, or if you're about to be a follower of Christ, he called you. He called you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I didn't expect to see you here. I mean, that's what he, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, that's the reality, isn't it? What a, what, a, what a mixed bag we are from all different backgrounds and stages and, and situations. None of us feel particularly qualified, yet Jesus has called you. He has called you and he has called me. You didn't choose Jesus, he chose you. That's the point. You didn't choose Jesus, he chose you. Now I know you're thinking, but I did choose him. And I can remember the night where I chose Jesus. And you might remember the moment, if you've become a Christian, a follower of Christ, you might remember the moment where you chose Jesus. And some things are true, but other things are truer. And Jesus wants you to know this morning, it's true that you chose him. But truer than that, he chose you. He chose you. He picked you out. Before the creation of the world, the Bible says, he picked you out and chose you to know him. And, and we get our brains messed with the sovereignty of God and the man's free will and we kind of get scrambled egg brain over that. But the reality is this. Some things are true, but other things are truer. You chose Jesus, but he chose you. That's truer. Think about it. In a world filled with rejection, filled with Every one of us feeling like probably we don't quite fit. Jesus chose you. He called you. Our world is this toxic mess of rejection. Rejecting each other and being rejected. We're born into it. We live it. We, we first discover it at school when we're standing in line being picked for a sports team. Thinking, please pick me. And sooner or later, they don't pick you, and you're the last one on the wall. They don't do that apparently at school anymore, I think for psychological damage reasons. <laughs> we first learn it. I think when I was eight or nine, I, all of my friends stopped talking to me for two weeks, and I didn't know why. And they would ask me, do you want to join the Ash Club? And I said, yeah, sure. And then they would laugh in my face, and I had no idea. Uh, at the end of two weeks, one of my friends got kicked out of the Ash Club. And he said, do you know what it means? And I said, no. He said, it's the anti-Simon Holly Club. I mean, that's damaging right there, isn't it? I mean, you look, I look back and I can laugh about it now, but I tell you, when I first prayed it through when I was in my 30s, I wept like a baby because the rejection went in. I was innocent little nine-year-old, but suddenly there was a wake-up call. This world is full of rejection. You will be rejected. Into that world, Jesus chose you. He picked you out not based on your performance. And, and this spirit of rejection, it will cause you to, to be silent when you should speak out. It will cause you to shrink back when you should stand up. It will cause you to lose creativity because the, the rejection spirit is totally against creativity. It wants everyone to conform, everyone to be the same. And if you're going to do that, you, you can't be creative. You, you can't stand out. You can't express who you are, your uniqueness. It will shrink you up. It will block you from giving because you'll think, what if they reject my gift? It will block you from speaking. It might even block you from relationship because you'll think, well, they probably won't want to know me. The spirit of rejection, so many. Praying with a young man recently and just his story of nothing he did pleased his parents. It was just constant, particularly his father, just constant rejection of everything he did. And he wept as God brought freedom into his life. And what's the antidote to this spirit of rejection? The world will tell you self-help. You're amazing. 
you're powerful, you're smart. You know, Caroline and I were late for something the other day, and as we were running out, kind of running out of the, the place late, I, I spilled yogurt all down my shorts. And then I had to clear it up and made a bigger mess. I'd look like I'd wet myself. <laughs> she was like, we're late. I was like, I can't go like this. I've got to change my shorts. So I was in the bathroom, changing my shorts, running later than we were before, look at myself saying, you're amazing, you're smart, you're powerful. <laughs> I walked into school one morning years ago and there was a lady in the playground and she had a little mistake so her skirt was tucked into the back of her knickers and she was walking across the playground, pink and white polka dot knickers, right there. And I was a man so I froze. What do I do? I was like, <laughs> and she was getting further and further. I turned to the lady next to me and was like, I couldn't even say anything. I just looked at her and she looked at the fear in my eyes. I looked, I just pointed, I said no word. She looked, she was like, oh my God, she like ran across. You're smart, you're powerful, you're amazing. Let's face it, we're not, are we? You only got to take one moment and to look at it. And of course, there's some truth in those things. But the reality is, it soon sounds very hollow if that's all we've got. The self-help culture has got no deep substance, certainly not as deep as this. Christ chose you. In your weakest moment, when you didn't even know him or care about him, he picked you out and he chose you. I'll tell you what, you can build on that. You can build on that foundation because it doesn't matter how you perform or don't perform, whether your skirt's tucked into your knickers or you've got messed up shorts, is irrelevant because he chose you. He chose you and called you. This is Jesus' antidote. What does a disciple look like? Some of you got pictures of long flowing beards and bald heads and big Bibles. And that's just the women. <laughs> the reality is the disciple doesn't look like anything. It looks like you and I. It looks like ordinary people chosen by Christ. In every situation, in every circumstance, Jesus doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called he has qualified you and he's called you we've got to understand the life of the kingdom we've got to understand the call of christ and, and lastly we've got to understand fruit come follow me jesus said and i will make you fishers of men he didn't just call just just choose us for any old reason just because he wanted a number on his team you know he needed a certain number on his team and say well he picked you no no he said i've chosen you for a reason john 15 now you're my friends since i've told you everything the father told me you didn't choose me i chose you i appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the father will give you whatever you ask in my name he chose you for for this, he chose you and I to bear fruit. This is the message that we offer to the world. This is the gospel, that God's kingdom is breaking in, that Jesus is calling, he's calling, and that he's calling to bear fruit. And, and the fruit is in, in a three-dimensional sense. It's the best way we can describe it. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? It, it affects three, the three dimensions of our life. It affects the upward dimension come follow me. Jesus didn't say come follow an ideology or come follow a teaching. He said come follow me. He likes you. You know, if you go on a journey and you've got to take someone with you, you don't phone the people you don't like. 
you phone the people you like. You want to spend time. You phone the people you like. You say, hey, come, I've got to go on this journey. Come with me. Jesus likes you. He wants to be with you. The, the, the phrase, come follow me, was a, a phrase in their tradition that literally meant stick beside me, stick behind me, come walk with me. Come follow me, Jesus says. So come follow me into your world. He walks with you into your world, but he also asks you to walk into his world. Come, let's do life together. Do you know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do you hear the affection of God? Because if you don't, you should and you can. You can hear God's voice. You should know him walking with you. And if you don't know those things, then get someone to pray and call on God until you know them. Because this is not an ideology or a philosophy we're, we're following. This is Jesus This is walking with him and knowing his intimate voice. And it's not just for the few elite who happen to speak up the front. It's for everyone. It's the intimacy into me see. It is that connection with God himself. That's the fruit that we bear first of all. Before anything else, it's knowing you, Jesus, knowing you. There is no greater thing. It's knowing that he cares about your life and the detail of your life and the insignificant things of your life. And he calls you to join with him, walk with him. That was a, a beautiful story um, last year. I think one of our kids in the ki- kids' uh, ministry um, was just saying to one of the, the team, I don't really feel like I hear from God. I don't feel like God speaks to me. And so they just prayed and they chatted together. And, uh, and then they, they uh, just kind of, as they were talking, they prayed together that he would hear. And they were going to come, the kids were going to come in here and bring some words. And as he prayed, he's like, oh, I do see some lights shining. I don't know what that means. And, and then he, by the end of the few minutes they'd prayed together, he had a picture of a lady with a, a blue and white striped top who loved dance and uh, had an injured ankle. Anyway, he comes in here and he brings his word from the front. And a lady with a blue and white top, uh, striped top who was a dance teacher with an injured ankle comes to the front. He prays for her and her ankle was t- uh, pain-free. I love that story. I love to see God healing. But you know more than that, I love the fact that that, that little lad encountered Jesus and knows God speaks to me. He's learning things that took me decades to learn. And I'm, great, I'm grateful that he's learning it right at the beginning of his walk with Jesus. This is not a philosophy. This is about a person who talks, who's real, and who's connected. Are we bearing fruit on the upward? And, and secondly, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you. The fruit that we're meant to bear is the fruit of a transformed life. And that's available for all of us. That we should all be moving from glory to glory, from one degree of glory to the next. That we should all be expecting Jesus to be changing us and shaping us. And, and that's why you know, we like to be honest from the front when we share our stories. Because we don't want you to think, oh gosh, they've arrived. Not that you ever would. But we don't want them to th- you to think that. And, and you can get that impression in some kind of Christian gatherings that the leaders have got it all together. I want you to get the impression that these guys are being transformed. That they have the same fears and concerns very often, but that they are following Jesus and he's changing them and they're moving from one degree of glory, one degree of faith to the next, that he's moving us on. You know, I, I've told you the story before, I think, but um, my, uh, when we were first learning about kingdom expectation and I, I um, uh, heard of some friends, who, uh, a family who were healed of food intolerances. All six of them had wheat and dairy intolerances and um, they were prayed for, they were healed and they all drank a pint of milk and ate a deep pan pizza that night which makes me feel ill just thinking about it. But they were all totally healed and I came back to King's Arms and I said, these guys, God broke into their lives and he's healed them and, and set them free. He, this is not in 
India. This is in Bristol. I know these guys, and they're still healed today, decades later, and uh, a decade or so later. And they, they, um, and so I told the story. And at the end of it, a lady came up to me and she said, "Well, I've got food intolerance, Simon. Why don't you, why don't you pray for me?" And inside, I was like, "Why'd you have to ruin it by asking me to do the same thing?" So I was mean, you know. I preached a good sermon, and I was going to go home and enjoy my lunch. Now you've just ruined my whole day. I didn't say that. Obviously, you don't say that sort of thing. But that's what went through my head. Anyway, I prayed for her because I had to. Uh, it would have been awkward not to. Um, and the next week, she comes running up to me and she says, uh, Simon, she said, and I was expecting her to say, nothing happened, would you pray again? Instead, she said, I've eaten stuff this week I've never eaten before in my life. And I said, really? And uh, <laughs> neither before nor after did I have any expectation, but she did. But since that moment, I've grown. I've grown. I've, I've developed. I've changed. I've, and it's ebbed and flowed. And expect, as I've shared earlier, expectation comes and goes, but I'm growing. I'm changing. And it's available for each one of us to grow in Christ to know him changes. I will make you. And um, a lady was sharing with me recently, I prayed with her husband um, some years ago about his relationship with his father, which was completely estranged. And she said, I just wanted to share with you, since you prayed with my husband and counseled him, he reconnected with his father. His father um, um, recently passed away, but before he did, he reconnected with him. And their relationship was massively restored. And he's so grateful that you had that time, that before his father died, he was able to be reconciled with him and restored. Isn't that what it's about? (laughs) It's about God's kingdom changing us and transforming us and, and healing relationships within families. And, And then lastly, it's about the out. It's about the up, it's about the in, and it's about the out. It's about the calling. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is not content that anyone should feel like they're just there to tag along. They're just a spectator or an observer. He has called each one of us to be partners, to be with him on this journey. He has caught us. He wants us to help him catch others, to catch them up with his purposes. And, and I used to, when I used to hear that, I used to feel so guilty I used to feel like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I can do the up thing, you know, I can sing the songs with the best of them, and I can do the in thing, you know, I'm always, I'm happy to tell you what my rubbish is and change a little bit, but the out thing, oh, God, just that is so hard, I'm so nervous and fearful, and, and I, you know, I've been, ten, I've been a Christian 10 years, and I still have not led anyone to Christ, and I just, I just used to feel so rubbish. But I'll tell you what changed me was this revelation of the kingdom. Because when I began to see the kingdom of God, I began to see that it's about life and about, about freedom and about healing and about comfort and about salvation. I began to realize that, yes, it is important to pray people through to know Christ for themselves. But actually, before that point, pretty much everyone has other seeds that God has sown in their lives. Other points where he has touched them or he's moved, where someone has offered a prayer or some comfort or some generosity or something that pointed them, that directed. Very few people just have one moment. Well, that's it. They, they knew nothing and then suddenly they've met God. Some people do, but most people, it's a journey of encounter. And actually, our role as believers is just to help people on their journey. <laughs> that we don't have to worry about, are we there right at the end? And that, that's good. And if we are, fantastic. But actually, sometimes it's just these little seeds of the kingdom that we can help plant on the way. And whenever I see the opposite now of that stuff, I know immediately my, my mandate. When I see that there's distress and turmoil and, and, and hopelessness, I know my mandate. And it just opened the door to me to partner with God in a whole new way, to realize that this is a daily thing. As I, I was saying earlier, that when I turn up in a room, what am I bringing? Why am I here? That come out, comes out of the same teaching. What does it look like? Our, my friend... Um, Dave was telling me that a few years ago he was in hospital visiting someone else and bumped into a lady he hadn't seen for years who happened to be in hospital. And he said, oh, what, what are you doing here? She said, well, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. 
And so he offered to pray for her, and uh, it was only a short prayer, and then he didn't see her again for four years. And then his wife bumped into this lady in the supermarket or somewhere. He said, oh gosh, I haven't seen you. And she was like, per- you know, looked perfectly healthy and uh, had tells that she'd recovered from cancer. And she said, my faith has been a rock to me during this whole um, time, this four years of battling with cancer. And, and uh, Dave's uh, wife, Viv, said to her, I didn't even know you had a faith. I didn't know you. And she said, oh, yeah, the moment Dave prayed for me, I became a Christian that day. <laughs> and he had no clue. So you've got the, the big stories like that, and we love that, but also you've got the little stories. Caroline and I gave out our first um, Tsunami of Love token the other day, and this is what we're all doing, and it's great partnering together. You can find out about it at the back at the end if you've not heard. But uh, we were in a restaurant, and, and Caroline said, I, I've, got, I've got a feeling for the, for the waiter. I don't think she meant she fancied him, but uh, <laughs> she, I've got this... <laughs> She didn't mean that. I've got this feeling about the waiter. I think we should do something. And we were trying to work out because if we gave a tip, then we would just kind of get absorbed with all the other tips for everyone. We thought, no, we'll give him a tip. We'll give a tip normally on the card, but then we'll just give him £10 with a, with a, with a token and just say we wanted, to, we wanted to bless him and we wanted to give something to him. And so we did, and, and, and that was it. It was as simple as that. And then we, we went away, and I had to go back into to the bathroom, not because I'd done anything on my shorts again. It was just a, I had to go. And as I went past, I saw him chatting to his colleague, and he had his £10 and his token. He's saying, they gave £10, and they said it was just for me. It was just for me. He was so excited. Small thing, a small seed. That's why I love these coins, because you can do things like that, and actually people can then follow it up themselves and find out what it's all about. Yeah. What does it look like for us to be in the out? to be growing both in the up, the in and the out. That's what Jesus promised. He said, look, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He wants us to understand his kingdom. He wants us to understand the call that he's chosen us. He wants us to understand that he has got fruit for each one of us. This is the purpose. This is the the big picture of our lives. This is what gives us a full life to know him to walk with him, to bear fruit with him. This is what Jesus is asking us to join him with, and this is what he's offering to each one of us. This is what um, Rufus Mosley, American uh, mystic kind of philosopher, said, the goal of history is the utter triumph of love over hate, of good over evil, of light over darkness, of joy over sorrow, of health and healing over disease, of discord, of life over death, of Jesus Christ over everything unlike himself. Until his conquest and his triumph are complete, as you go telling the love of God for everyone, you will feel his love. And feeling this love, you will feel the presence of the Lord and have the witness of the kingdom of heaven being present. When you give yourself to witnessing of the Lord's love to everyone and to being a channel for the flow of this love as your main business, you will have the continuous and increasing experience of heaven within and of being in heavenly places in the Lord Jesus. I love that. The goal of history is the triumph of Christ Jesus over everything. What does it look like for us to partner with him, to join with him, to know, and I pray for each one of us, that we would know fullness of life. That we would know fullness of life. That's what Jesus promises. We begin this series looking at the disciple. This is what I believe is the bedrock of it all. You can have, I can have fullness of life in Christ. He's called us, He's chosen us, He's brought us His kingdom, and we are going to bear fruit. Fruit that will last, fruit that will change the world. Let's pray, shall we?
Why don't we just all stand together? Just close your eyes and just um, put your hands out, maybe. I just felt um, when Simon was speaking about the kingdom of God is at hand, whose hands? Um, I couldn't believe Liz's painting her, or her drawing that she did this morning of the baby's hand inside the father's hand. And Simon and Liz didn't collaborate or talk beforehand or anything like that. I just really felt this is a prophetic moment. And when I saw the picture of the hands on the screen, I remember that the last two prophetic words I've had in, in the last few weeks have both, both people have said, I'm drawn to your hands. Mm. There's oil in your hands. This is a new season for healing, for um, healing oil, for signs and wonders and miracles. And I just feel this morning that's an invitation to every person in the room. I just really feel Holy Spirit on that. So just, just if you're hungry for that, if you want the next level, just put your hands out, and I'm just going to pray for us. Mm. Holy Spirit, thank you that our hands are just like the hands of that baby. Mm. They're enveloped in your hands, and because of that, they're absolutely dripping with healing, with anointing, with power, with love, with peace with everything that this world needs, God. We have access to that. And I just pray for an increased anointing on each pair of hands in this room this morning, God. Anointing, God, to bring the kingdom, whatever that looks like, wherever we are going, God, to bring the kingdom now in a new way, at a new level. And Father, I pray for just a real confidence, a real confidence in our gut that we know that our hands are absolutely surrounded by the hands of our Father. And when we step out and when we lay our hands on, Jesus, that your hands are laid on. Father, I just pray that confidence and faith would rise in this room now in Jesus' name. Yes, God. Amen. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Caroline. That's great. Thank you, God. Just keep receiving. Just receive fresh expectation if you've lost expectation in an area of your life why don't you just tell the lord now just bring it to him just like i did so i just you know what i've lost expectation just give it to him he knows just come to him let him come and bring healing and life and fresh faith right now fresh expectation that whose hands your hands <laughs> your hands that it might not always come in the way that you expect but actually he's moving through you. He's wanting to break out around you. His kingdom is advancing. And I, and I felt particularly as well, I'd love to pray for you. If you felt like, like um, uh, so many, this spirit of rejection, you, you perhaps walk into a room and you feel rejection just as you walk into the room. You just know that you've lived under that and, and it's, you needed to hear this morning that you're called you know, Kyle was, my daughter was just speaking to me this week. She said, Dad, did you know that the rabbis of Jesus' day, they, they always called, the, they, the disciples always went to them, but Jesus was different. He called the disciples. I was like, I did know that, and I wrote it down yesterday. I know that God's got this message for you today. 
He's got this message. You, know, you need it right now to break free from the rejection that's holding you back from the life of God, the fullness of life. So if that's you, just raise a hand, would you? If you feel like, you know what, that's, that's me. I've lived for years maybe with this, this rejection hovering over me. Just raise your hand high. And if there's someone near you with a hand up, I just wanted to put a hand on the shoulder. I just want you to part, let's partner together and break it off now. And I want you to push it out of yourself. Push it out of yourself. And I had a picture this just as I was preparing of just like drink in the acceptance of God. Maybe every time this week, this month, when you take a drink, drink, just remember, I'm chosen. <laughs> drink down. Let that physical reminder of having a drink cause you to drink down the fact that you are chosen. You are chosen by God. And it battle against the lies in your mind that you're rejected. Drink it down. The acceptance of God. Drink it in. Every time this next month, remind yourself that you have been chosen by God. And we just say, Spirit of God, come right now onto every life. We come against the spirit of rejection that would hold us back, that would, would cause uh, people to shrink back when they need to advance or stay silent when they need to speak out. We say, Spirit of Jesus, let your people rise up knowing that they've been chosen by Christ, knowing that they've been accepted by Christ. We thank you, God, for this revelation that we carry your kingdom in us, that you chose us to bear fruit. And we just say, come, Spirit of God, into every life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As some of you have been told, I wish you were never born. We just break that lie off you. Some of you are told, I wish you would never, I'd never conceived you. We break that lie off you. Some of you had horrendous experiences growing up. We just break the, the feeling of that's dogged you, off you, in Jesus' name. We take authority over it and we say, live now free, knowing that you are chosen, that you have been picked out, that before you chose him, he chose you and he chose you to bear fruit. Do it, Lord, we pray. Just Each one of us, let's just put a hand on the shoulder of someone next to us, shall we, and just pray. Pray for the life of God. Pray for the fullness of life. We just say, come, Spirit of God, flow through us and in us and out of us. Let your kingdom, the crackling energy of your kingdom, break out around us with integrity and freedom. And we just say, Lord, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, let us live pregnant with the expectation of the kingdom advancing. Let there be nothing that's static. Let there be no hopelessness around us. We just say freedom, God. Freedom, God. We break, we shake off hopelessness now. Hopelessness now. Be gone out of our lives. We've got no right to partner with hopelessness. We say, God, let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let your enemies be scattered. We pray in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Amen.